Welcome to the Smart Driving Cars podcast. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hi, Fred. Good evening. Good evening. Well, you are just back from the Geneva Auto Show. Find anything cool? Well, uh, yes, I was participating in a, in a session on uh, connected and automated vehicles. Most of the discussion had to deal with uh, with uh, connected and um, and really exchanging information and cybersecurity and, and those kinds of things. Although uh, I sort of pointed out how um, how uh, if we're really going to do driverless, we should be doing it. Uh, for the mobility disadvantage, which includes poor people, which um, I'm not sure how well that resonated at the Geneva Auto Show. <laughs> um, there, <clears throat> there weren't many vehicles there for poor people. Uh, <clears throat> uh, the Bentleys and the and the Ferraris and and uh, so on were uh, very much in prominence. Uh, Ollie was, uh, and local motors did have an Ollie there, at least uh, showing that some folks are trying to provide uh, uh, mobility machines uh, uh, to provide mobility for people. But uh, otherwise, it's pretty much of, uh, of a, a same old um, uh, automobile OEMs uh, selling um, <clears throat> hardware that goes fast. Right. I guess that there still needs to be a, a, a change in mindset, and I don't know how long that's going to take. Well, I mean, I, a lot of people want to buy cars. Uh, you know, I buy cars too. So at least for those fortunate enough to uh, be able to afford them, great. Uh, but I guess what we're really trying to do with some of this is that we have the opportunity with the driverless vehicles to provide a affordable mobility to people who, that, uh, that could really use it and could be life-changing for them and, and really improve their quality of life. And I guess that's, um, that's really in terms of what I want to do. That's what I'm focused on. Well, you mentioned uh, them trying to sell these cars that go really fast, but on top in the Smart Driving Car newsletter this week is a move by Volvo to limit the top speed in its vehicles to 112 miles per hour beginning next year, a step anyway in the right direction. I think uh, the step is is that uh, they're actually uh, publicizing that they're limiting the, the speed of the vehicle. It turns out that the vehicles do have speed limiters on them. Uh, I think um, I think even Mercedes limits the speeds of the cars to 155 miles an hour. Uh, I know the speedometer on my car says 160, uh, and I've always said, my goodness, uh, where do I do 160 in Jersey? I mean, it's 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 all uh, really ridiculous, and uh, somehow speed sells, although, you know, uh, if we uh, look at how fast we're moving through the cosmos, um, these speeds are, are nothing. And so it's really, it's really not speed that gives us the exhilaration. It's, it's the acceleration. Uh, but, um, but somehow I guess the, the car buying public, um, equates speed, uh, to acceleration and, um, and, and we have these silly numbers. Uh, um, you know, I guess if, if you're German, great, go drive on your Autobahn. Here in Jersey, um, we have the New Jersey Turnpike. Um, uh, even though the speed limit's at uh, 55, 
people go 75. Okay, great. 75 is all right. Maybe even 80. Um, maybe the limit could even be 90. Is there really, you know, a need to go over 90 or even a desire? I mean, come on. Uh, this, right. is the, all... this new limit of 112 may be a step in the right direction, but uh, 112 is pretty fast. <laughs> yeah, 112 is really fast, and, and uh, it is a step in the right direction. And, you know, poor Volvo's out there been been selling safety for all these years, and safety hasn't sold. Um, now they're saying, oh, my goodness, we're going to limit speed. Uh, I guess it, they, um, they're they really uh, uh, trying to hurt themselves, I guess. But uh, But we have to take our hats off to them. But if you notice, uh, their uh, electric vehicle division, um, right? Pol- Polestar, to- right? Yeah, their uh, Polestar is not going to use the limitation as I and as I comment. I guess you know, three strikes is and you're out. I mean, how, how can you try to sell one of the vehicles when, in fact, you're selling safety? You're now limiting the speed, and it's electric. I mean, good luck. Uh, <clears throat> Well, they're not going to limit those electric ones. So they'll, that's they'll go that's the, what the decision was. Two sort of anxiety elements, uh, safety and um, and electric. Oh, my goodness, uh, uh, I have range anxiety or, oh, will I be able to charge it? And, and how long is it going to take? So, uh, you know, um, they have a hard sell uh, coming to do that. Waymo is now in the business, Alan, of selling its LiDAR systems to other companies. But the catch is those can't be companies competing with its autonomous taxis. Yes, and I guess um, I guess that's good, although um, I, I, I guess it's legal to limit uh, who you can sell to, um, I guess. Um, uh I don't know if if I go in and put in an order and say I'm going to use lidars to um, to uh, maybe um, um, uh, cover my walls in my house. Can I then go sell them to uh, to GM Cruise as an after sale? I don't know. Whatever. Um, um, or it's a publicity stunt, or, uh, my goodness, maybe within the LIDAR, what they're going to do is capture all the data that all the LIDAR uh, sensors are, 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 um, are generating, and in a sense, it's a Trojan horse to get data. I, I don't know, whatever. Well, we, we don't know that Waymo will get the data from the LIDAR units that they sell, do we? Oh, no, no, uh, I didn't say oh, that. I okay. was just flipping here and, you know, thinking of Trojan horses, but never mind. <laughs> the head of Waymo's LIDAR business, though, is saying the move will help to drive scale and, and bring down costs, and the technology is being used in applications other than self-driving cars as well. Absolutely. And so, you know, that is a reason for them to sell it. And even though uh, non-automotive uh, applications for LiDAR are today at best uh, 10% of the market, who knows what it could come out uh, to be, especially if uh, when the price comes down and, and, and how these things could be used in a lot of other places. So all of a sudden, uh, you know, they might discover that, in fact, the, the demand for LIDARs, uh, because there's one on your phone, because when you're taking your selfie, you want to also have a 3D print of, uh, of the, the, your facial expression. I don't know. 
uh, but you know something <laughs> like that. And all of a sudden, the market in, uh, for these things is instead of being ten uh, percent you know, non-automotive, it's ninety-eight uh, percent non-automotive. And all of a sudden, uh, now you have uh, uh, Alphabet have a lidar company that is valued at who knows what. Interesting. Well, I guess it's not great news for all of these other companies who are in the, the LIDAR business, although supposedly the, these can't be used uh, in automated vehicles. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that uh, it seems as if you believe in, in the capitalist uh, um, approach to things, um, the more competitors, in fact, uh, generates more business and, and, and everybody um, in fact, continues to try to leapfrog everybody else. And all of a sudden, the thing becomes better and one finds all sorts of markets for things. And um, and everybody's boat is lifted by that rising tide. So um, um, I don't know. Maybe. Tell that to the pharmaceutical companies when Amazon jumps in selling drugs, right? Well, yeah, but wouldn't, uh, let's not talk about right. that. Because, um, whatever. Judy Greenwald, uh, a non-resident fellow at Princeton's Andlinger Center for Energy and the Environment, is co-author of a study headlined, Autonomous Vehicles Could Be an Environmental Boon or Disaster, Depending Upon Public Policy. Well, yes, since I'm the (laughs) co-author, I guess I believe it, but... As we've been talking about here, uh, if these vehicles are going to be owned by um, by private individuals and used only for them, and all of a sudden uh, you can live um, farther away from where you work and uh, travel becomes, uh, the disutility of travel uh, essentially goes to zero, then of course you're going to travel more. And and if you're an environmentalist where um, you know, basically um, uh, pollution and energy consumption are proportional to vehicle miles traveled, uh, then the more vehicle miles you travel, um, the worse uh, the energy situation and the greenhouse gas situation. I mean, it's, it's a one-to-one relationship. So this, so, uh, this is a study really aimed at those who make public policy? It's aimed at public policy because the public policy that needs to be that needs to be imparted here is an encouragement for ride sharing because the only only way to deal with this is is instead of having one person in a car um, going about the, their mobility business by themselves, uh, you put uh, two or three people in the car, and then all of a sudden um, you get the benefit of additional person miles traveled because because the person miles traveled are proportional to to quality of life. So if you're interested in improving a person's quality of life, you'd like them to travel more. Uh, the problem is is that you'd like them to also consume less energy and and, and produce less pollution and and. The way to do that is to get them to um, share rides. In other words, instead of wrapping themselves in the one uh, in one vehicle, you you have one vehicle take three or four people. And we're not talking about uh, putting you know five hundred people on a train or fifty pass people in a bus. Uh, right now, the the average vehicle occupancy in the U.S. Uh, for those that use cars is essentially one. 
Uh, so for each person mile, you end up uh, uh, consuming a vehicle mile. Well, if you could get two people in the vehicles um, uh, traveling together, and these are not, uh, you know, me dragging my wife to go to dinner with me or, or, or um, uh, so on, but, but people that would have taken two cars to take only one car, if you got that as the average across the nation, you chop energy consumption in half and you, you chop greenhouse gases in half. And that's enormous. And the question is, is what kind of public policy is going to now encourage us and, and make it um, so that it's, it's even desirable uh, to share rides? That's uh, not sharing a vehicle. That's sharing rides, and there's a lot of misnomer about this. Uh, you know, me taking a lift um, to JFK uh, to uh, uh, to fly to Geneva was not sharing a ride because my goodness, had to take one vehicle to JFK, and since he was a Jersey driver, he couldn't even pick up somebody at JFK and bring him back to Jersey. So in a sense, it's 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 more uh, it's less environmentally responsive uh, for me to have done that, uh, and so there's that's not ride sharing. And at least one of the good things that New York has done with their recent uh, regulations on 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 ride sharing and and um, and uh, the whole um, uh, Uber Lyft. Um, um, mobility process is that uh, is that they've done a good job in defining uh, what is really what is a shared ride and what is not a shared ride now even a willingness to share is going to get people a discount there if i recall correctly right well you know maybe it's discount maybe you know a lot of us are, are environmentally conscious as a public spirited thing uh, and so, you know, the public policy should be focused on ride sharing, uh, not car sharing. You know, if I use my car and then I let you use my car, that's not ride sharing. That's just, you know, one car polluting more as opposed to have being two cars, each pollute less, but in combination pollute just as much. Um, but if you and I share a ride, then in fact, uh, you know, only there's only one car being used. Interesting. Tesla has made some changes to the web page describing its autopilot capabilities. The headline on the page no longer reads full self-driving hardware on all cars. Instead, it reads future of driving. And it talks more about the future use of the features being dependent on achieving reliability far in excess of human drivers. Right. And of course, they point out that you have to pay attention and nobody's saying that you can go to sleep. And so, uh, you know, um, Elon has to just stop saying that Uh, everybody, you know, everybody, I think, really likes his his autopilot. It does work pretty well. But boy, uh, you know, don't oversell it. Why, Why not just sell it for the qualities that it has? Look, turn it on, relax a little bit, but pay attention. And of course, you know, go and 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 talk to GM and say, hey, can we also please use uh, your? I imagine they have it patented, protected. 
uh, your eye trackers so that the, so that we can also make sure that our customers are safe. And if they don't pay attention, then we take away the, the, the little toy that they have. And before they get to play with the toy again, they have to, you know, uh, go sit on uh, in the corner with a dunce hat on or whatever. Ex- explain that a little bit for people who aren't familiar with the eye trackers. They're, it's a camera essentially watching you to see that, make sure that you are, do have your eyes on the road? Right. So that, that's the way the, the, the uh, GM system works on the CT6. It, it, has a, it has an eye tracker. So as long as you're keeping your eye on the road ahead, it doesn't mean you're staring at uh, down the road ahead. It doesn't mean you can't take your eyes off the road and you know, check out a little scenery to the left and right or that you can look down quickly at your phone and do a little texting. Uh, you didn't say that, did you? <laughs> for a very short period of time, it says okay. Uh, but if you start doing it for a long period of time, it, I think it starts buzzing you or, or you know, whatever, jiggling you in one way or another. And if you don't stop, um, it basically pulls over and, and, and turns off and says, well, until you start behaving, uh, you can't use this toy anymore. And you're, you're, if you're going to misbehave, you're going to be treated like a child. And I, should... I, I want to clarify that you are not advocating people text behind the wheel. No, I'm not advocating <laughs> people. Well, I don't know. I, I'm not advocating that. But I think that with respect to to um, uh, the CT6 version that, that really um, uh, has uh, the eye tracker and and I, I think reasonably allows you to take your eyes off the road ahead before it starts beeping you, um, but you continue to pay attention, then maybe you can, you don't have to sit there and, and continue to stare on the road ahead. Uh, that's not its purpose, but its purpose is for you to remain vigilant of what's going on. Meanwhile, a Tesla Model S owner in China is claiming his vehicle crashed into a river near a supercharger station when it accelerated on its own. Well, I don't know. If my car went in the river, I'd blame it on, and, <laughs> and it had some automated gizmo on board. I, I certainly wouldn't blame myself, would I? I mean, I'm a good driver. I don't do things like that, Fred. Of course. So this is, we'll have to wait for the investigation on this and no, ho- hopefully get some data. Right? As I point out in, 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 the, in, in the newsletter that, of course, these systems sit there and, and, um, and capture data for the last, you know, 30 seconds before, um, uh, before anything. So you can put it on a loop and just uh, keep the last 30 seconds. So if something bad happens, that you have the last 30 seconds of what the, the system was doing so as to protect itself against, you know, accusations such as this. Otherwise, the, the technology is sitting there defenseless. And, and hey, you know, if, if the, if, uh, I don't know, so it has to defend itself. And, and the way it defends itself is to make that public. So if somebody's going to make a public pronouncement that there was um, that the that the automated system screwed up, then the then the automated system should have an opportunity to make a public rebuttal. 
And if the automated system was wrong, then that public rebuttal is available for everybody that's working on this to to improve the automated system so it doesn't goof up again or provide an acceleration that it should not have. Uh, But if it's being accused uh, wrongly, it's able to defend itself. Otherwise, what's the public going to think? Oh, my goodness. Right. And they, they, they should have the data and let's see what happens. Right. In Arizona, it appears Uber will not face criminal charges for the death last year of Elaine Herzberg. It isn't clear yet whether the safety driver will face charges. Uber had reached a settlement, you may recall, with the Herzberg family soon after the incident. Yes, and and uh, okay. I guess it's it may be appropriate that uh, that Uber uh, not have a a um, a, a penalty uh, for for uh, their wrongdoing on that. But my goodness, uh, uh, to still hold uh, the the safety driver uh, responsible just because she took her eyes off the road, uh, you know, for a couple of seconds uh, uh, at the wrong time. The egregious error that was made here is that, is that the, the automated system had turned off the automated emergency braking system explicitly. And they were Uber had sent this vehicle out to be tested in the domain where their code explicitly turns off the automated emergency braking system. And so, my goodness, if if um, uh, they're not um, um, uh, uh, guilty of any crime in turning off an automated system yet uh, operating uh, that system in a in a situation where the automated emergency braking system is turned off i can't see how you can hold the um the safety driver as being somehow uh, guilty of a crime uh, by uh taking her eyes off the road for uh, a couple of seconds um i don't know Edwin Olson, CEO of May Mobility, has a piece on Medium.com titled The Moore's Law for Self-Driving Vehicles. Tell us what your thoughts are here. Well, I think what he's trying to do with that is to suggest that that the systems today are nowhere near being as safe as humans. And so so therefore, um, well, uh, just to put that out there and basically suggest that they're there are three orders of magnitude or something like that, um, uh, less safe uh, than humans. And if their improvement is at whatever rate uh, that it is, and it is exponential like a, like a Moore's Law, it's going to take uh, whatever he has in there uh, 20 years before they become um, uh, as safe as humans. But I, th- I think he's, you know, there are fundamental flaw in his in his argument, uh, because to come up with that, uh, he he uh, properly uh, notes uh, what the um, what the uh, uh, fatality rate is uh, 
uh, for human drivers, whatever it is per whatever million miles uh, for um, humans, and and then uh, makes the claim that the uh, disengagement reports, um, uh, as as reported to the California uh, uh, Department of uh, Motor Vehicles, uh, suggests that um, that uh, fatalities uh, would be occurring uh, at a at a much higher rate. You know, three orders of magnitude faster uh, or more um, had a safety driver not intervene. And basically, he's assuming that a disengagement uh, by a safety driver is equivalent to a car crash that would have caused a fatality. And that's, I don't know. Um, um, we don't know that that's not correct. There is only one reality. So, in fact, having uh, a, an, a, a, um, a safety driver disengage a vehicle uh, may have uh, averted a crash that would have killed someone. However, um, if one looks at the disengagements, uh, that in fact um, uh, that is enormously unlikely, and 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 so if if one looks at the total number of car crashes, um, and basically suggests that uh, okay a, a disengagement worst case would have include would have um, uh, incurred a a single crash. Um, uh, then the situation is is that um, is that the, the rate of crashes as being experienced uh, by the um, uh, by let's say Waymo is about five uh, percent of um, of what human crash rates are, and then if you go and say, well, you know, a disengagement. Uh, it's not even sure that that they were it was disengaged that a crash would have occurred um, because these these um, attendants are really um, uh, trained to be uh, uh, you know safety conscious and um, and uh, directly relating a disengagement to a crash is is the worst case it may be that you know in reality maybe only half of these things would have uh, resulted in crashes, maybe as low as maybe one in 10, or maybe even lower. It depends, uh, you know, how, how trigger happy the attendant is to avert a crash. Uh, But I would suggest that it's probably more like one in two. Uh, And if that bad, but if it's one in two, then that means that really, um, um, uh, Waymo is is at ten percent of of uh, human um, uh, safety levels in terms of crashes, and if it's one in ten, then they're at the fifty percent level. And if it's one in ten, that means that probably by next year, the way they've been improving, uh, they will be as safe as um, as humans. 
And whether or not it's next year or in five years, it's a very short period of time because they're, they're essentially the same order of magnitude. And at this level of, of discourse, then really all Waymo or all anybody has to do is to be as safe as humans, technically as safe. And we're talking about technically not perceived to be as safe. And technically as safe, if these things are as safe as humans, then nobody should be standing in the way of them. I mean, my goodness, that means that if you stand in the way of something that is that is safer than humans, then that's probably going to mean that you're causing somebody to be killed. And my goodness, then uh, maybe you sh- that's called manslaughter. I don't know. So in a sense, um, uh, he tried to make a point. I think he's totally goofed up in terms of his relationships. And if you then really look and try to relate disengagements to uh, car crashes, and car crashes is the measure of safety that uh, that you are that you're looking at, then the then the number of crashes uh, per mile driven by humans. Is, is, the, is a reasonable metric to use. And if you use that metric, then it turns out that, that in some sense, worst case, uh, Waymo is at 5% of human capability, uh, probably a, a more um, um, conservative stance suggests that they're 10%, and they may be as good as halfway there. So, um, uh, anyway, I, uh, um, I strongly disagree with this paper, but any, whatever. Interesting. Finally, Alan, um, you make mention in the newsletter of former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie's book, Let Me Finish, and a critical review of it in, in the New York Review of Books. Well, I was just reading the New York Review of Books, and I just uh, I just loved the, the quote that says, uh, I don't know, something I can't wait to finish or something like that. I think it was something like that. That's what the reader is thinking. Let me finish. <laughs> <laughs> Let me finish, because because apparently uh, the book is terrible. I'm not going to read it. And um, and uh, we had eight tough years in New Jersey, and it's amazing we survived it. Um, so I have a few comments in there. And a lot of it has to do with the, the lack of progress in science, technology, et cetera. Oh, right. I mean, here we were with, with a uh, commission on science and technology. I was vice chair and, and we actually produced a report that indicated that, that, the, that the leveraging of the funds and, and the research that we sponsored with the commission created uh, uh, science-oriented uh, jobs uh, whose, um, uh, uh, where the state income tax collected by the state from those jobs that were created generated a dollar and 86, I think the number is, a dollar and 86 of state income tax for every dollar that the state used to fund the commission. That means that means the state was making eighty six cents for every dollar it spent. Making. Pretty good, pretty good return. <laughs> hey, for, hey, you show me a return like that, <clears throat> I'm doing that all day. I'm going to finally become a rich guy. 
and and one of the first things he did was remove the, remove the budget from the Commission on Science and Technology. I mean, can you imagine in two thousand nine, a, a a governor, a head of a state, saying, "Oh, I don't think we want to be involved in science and technology. This is a good way to save money." Uh, and that that was probably the best thing that happened in the eight years. Well, hopefully we're going to see some progress that you'll be telling us about soon. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Well, we've been working on it and we're working on it. I think I'm going to testify tomorrow morning too down at the state assembly. And um, uh, we're trying to make things happen in New Jersey. And on that note, that'll do it for this edition. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, and more. If you've got a smart speaker, you can ask it to play us. You can find my tech reports at textonation.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks for listening. Thank you, and always fun, Fred.